Oh, yes. Good morning. Welcome. I have several announcements, actually. First of all, let me welcome you today. This is our Consecration Sunday, our, our time that in the later in the service when we will uh, make our commitment to pledge uh, towards uh, the upkeep and the maintenance and the mission of Memorial Church for 2015. And Reverend Strait will lead us through that uh, after our sermon time. Also today is a special time in the life of the United Methodist women uh, when they uh, will recognize uh, some special people, and we're going to do that right after the announcements. A reminder that the meal will follow right after the service. The benediction and blessing will be done here, so when you get there, you can begin eating. All are invited, whether you signed up or not. We always have plenty of food. Please come and eat. Next week, of course, next Sunday, is the Sunday after Thanksgiving, and it is also, which means it's always the first Sunday of Advent, and that is next Sunday, November the 30th. We will be back to our normal worship times at 9 and 11 o'clock. We'll have, we will have, of course, the church at that point in time will be decorated for Advent with the Advent wreath and, and everything, and so look forward to Advent every year. The Adults Unlimited Sunday School class is sponsoring the Angel Tree again this year. It's located uh, in the Narthex, uh, and there's also one in the Family Life Center. You can support this worthwhile project by simply choosing an angel and returning it wrapped uh, to the Sunday School class or to church office. Also, poinsettias, uh, the deadline for poinsettias is Monday, December the 1st. And so I want you to, to, to be reminded of that. And then Adam, Adam, you have an announcement about the, the walk, I think, today that's going on. If you want to come up and, and do that real fast. Hey, good morning. What a beautiful day today, isn't it? It's a day the Lord has made, so it's always beautiful. Okay, so rain or shine, or rain. The 10th annual Merle State Hunger Walk will be still held today at 2 p.m. At the, it's going to start at the Family Life Center. This is a symbolic one-mile walk from the FLC to the soup kitchen. This is Daily Bread Ministries' biggest fundraiser for the soup kitchen. Uh, Memorial Youth will be among the groups coming out to walk, and we'd love to see their parents there as well. At the walk, we'll be receiving monetary gifts to help fund soup kitchen operations and, of course, accept any donated goods uh, toward ending hunger in Greer. Uh, those donating $20 or more will receive a t-shirt. This is a uh, dog-friendly event, or in the case of today, a wet dog-friendly event. If you have any further questions about the Hunger Walk, you can um, see me. You can go to our website. Um, it is greersoupkitchen.com. Thanks. And now I'd invite, I think, is Ellen, is Ellen Henson, is, are you the one, yes, Ellen, if you'll come up. And while Ellen's coming up, I happen to know, I noticed uh, several people here that I would list all the names, but Sarah Glenn's nice to see you here. Very nice to see you. Uh, if uh, you will, uh, Ellen, if you'll come up and recognize these wonderful women in our church, or men. <laughs> Good morning. 
Each year, the United Methodist Women honor two members of Memorial with a special recognition pin. This pin represents their outstanding achievements in service to Memorial as well as service in our community. Harriet and I are here this morning to honor two outstanding members. The first person to be honored was born in 1939 in Salisbury, North Carolina. She was the oldest of three sisters. When she was 12 years old, she received the Good Citizen Award, which was a bicycle. Later, she attended Catawba College, where she met her future husband after he offered her and her friends a ride back to school. She was wearing a classy gray suit when she and Mike eloped on February 14, 1959. They moved a lot, six different states, as Mike progressed in job responsibility, and eventually settled in South Carolina in 1972 with their three children. Her daughter Kim passed away in 2011 and her husband Mike passed away in 2012. You may have recognized who this honoree is by now. It's Marilyn Haas. Marilyn loves animals, especially cats. She has a stray cat with blue eyes named Frankie. Frankie is shy and only has eyes for Marilyn. Marilyn also loves children and was the mainstay in our baby nursery, keeping our babies for many, many, many years. If you've had the chance to see her there, you know how much she loves cuddling the babies. She also delivers mobile meals, helps prepare bereavement meals, and plays bridge regularly. Thank you, Marilyn, for all you've done for Memorial. Today we honor Marilyn Haas. Please come forward to get your pen. Our next honoree was born in 1925 in Anderson, South Carolina. At an early age, she exhibited a love and talent for sports, especially softball and basketball. Her position was usually catcher, and her skills were honed through coaching and being on the receiving end of her older brother's pitches. She also developed a love of music and played the violin for church, as well as weddings and civic events. She attended Anderson Junior College and then transferred to Furman University where she graduated in 1946. This same year, she accepted a teaching position at Greer High School where she taught English and history and coached the girls basketball team and the cheerleaders. While teaching in Greer, she met and married a Greer native and a World War II veteran. He had been a long, lifelong member of Memorial, so she joined and has been part of Memorial for 64 years. She raised three children and made sure they were in church unless they were ill. She has served Memorial in many capacities. Children's Sunday school teacher and superintendent, worked in the MIF group, chaperoned youth trips, made numerous batches of spaghetti sauce for youth fundraising, participated in mission trips, served on the planning committee for the Family Life Center, served on the board of trustees, and coached the women's softball team. For her family and friends, Memorial has been a place of Christian fellowship. Memorial is and will remain dear to her. Today we honor Sarah Glenn.
Thank you to both of these women for their service to Memorial United Church and the community of Greer. Thank you. Thank you, Ellen, very much for this honor, these two special women this morning. Let us uh, begin our worship together now. Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray together. Lord, we come here today because we can, because you have created this amazing world, because you've given us days and nights to live by. You have given us minds to make decisions and understand with, and hearts to fill with, and because we are lucky enough to have the freedom to use these gifts. Amen.
Let us affirm our faith. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated and let our children come forth at this time. today. This is a very special day. Do you know why? We call it Thanksgiving Sunday because what happens this week? Thanksgiving Day. And we also call it Consecration Sunday. On Thursday, as we celebrate Thanksgiving Day, a lot of things come to mind. If you'll look up on the altar, you see a beautiful cornucopia, and it represents the bounty of our blessings during the year. We can thank um, Miss Jennifer Davis Allen and Miss Beverly Davis for that beautiful cornucopia this morning. Well, what does your family do on Thanksgiving Day? We are thankful, yes. Do you pray prayers of thanksgiving? I'm sure you do. We have a lot of things to be thankful for, don't we? What else do you do on Thanksgiving Day? Anybody else? Give a feast. Give a feast. Does Nana fix the feast? Yes. And so then when you have the feast, what do you, what do we do with the feast? What's the word I'm looking for? Eat. We eat. We eat too much, probably, but we eat and eat. Do you do anything else? Do you watch the parade on television? Yeah. See all the balloons? You hear the bands? What else? Play football, watch football. So we all have our traditions of Thanksgiving Day. But being thankful 
Praying our prayers of thanksgiving is very important. But should we just pray those prayers on Thanksgiving Day? No. We should appreciate and show our appreciation and our love of God by thanks living every day. Thanks living. In other words, how could you live your life every day to show that you are thankful to God and that you love God? Yes, ma'am. You can pray every day. And when you pray, what do you pray for or about? What are our prayers usually about? We pray to God. Do you pray when somebody's sick and you want them to get well? Or you pray when somebody's sad? And we pray to say thank you to God he just has given us so many lessons, and we need to let him know that we will live thankfully. Well, now, with your friends, can you show them some way that you are thankful for them as friends? Or people that, um, your teachers, your Sunday school teachers, what are things that, how can you show someone that you're thankful? Yes, ma'am. You are really kind. If they're kind to you, then in turn, you can be really kind. Well, and we can also be kind to those people that might not be really kind to us sometimes, can't we? That's kind of hard, but that's what Jesus has taught us to do. Well, do you say the words thank you when you appreciate what somebody's done? Can you give a hug? All of those ways... Can you write a note to say thank you? You might send them an email or a text. We've sort of it's gotten a letter. It's what? It's a letter. It's a kind of letter. Yes, it is. It's an email letter. That's right. And we rely on that an awful lot these days. Well, when we are dedicated to living as Jesus taught us, <laughs> our thanks living consecrates God in our lives. This is Consecration Sunday, so I decided to look that word up in a dictionary. I guess there's still, even though I've retired, there's still that old English teacher somewhere inside of me. So I looked it up, and the dictionary says that consecration means dedication to the service and worship of God. Surprise! Is that what we Methodists are all about? I hope so. As Methodists, we should be reminded today on Consecration Sunday that we made promises to God, promises that you all are learning now. One promise we made was to support God and our church with prayers, and we've already talked about that. We pray about so many things, but we also made a promise to be present to be a part of worship services and the church activities. And so here we are. We also promise to serve God. Now, what does that mean? How do you serve God? Yes, ma'am. You worship him. Yes, we come to this service together with other Christians 
and worship him and let him know how much we appreciate him. Yes, ma'am. A little bit louder. We sing hymns to him. And you sing in the choir, don't you? And in that way, you're serving him. Well, do you think that by shooting baskets that make a swish could be serving God? How? What is make a swish about? Why do you do that? Hmm, because you like to shoot baskets at the basketball. What, why do you do that? Because God made you, he gave you that talent. Very, very much thank you. You've moved me to my next point. God has given us talents that we can use for him. When you all do make a swish, you're raising money, aren't you? you? You don't think about that. And that's probably a good thing. You do it because you want to. But you're raising money to help other people. Well, what is this box and this turkey here this morning to show us? How are we serving God with this? Or how is the church serving God? We, it's a reminder to be thankful for the food that we have. Where's this box going? to a needy family, to a family that might not be able to, to buy their own Thanksgiving meal. So one of our Sunday school classes, Foundations classes, put together, I think, 80 boxes or so, I, I heard them say, 80 boxes of food for 80 families. Now, that is serving God. We as members have helped purchase these boxes and other members are going to deliver this, those boxes. All of that is serving God. Our missions do that. And so, the, and I'll move on now to the another promise that we've made to the church and to God is to give our gifts. Your gifts are that you sing for us, and we enjoy it so much. Your gift is you can play basketball, so that's a mission project. We have ladies in our church who crochet and knit. And those shawls or blankets are given to people who are sick. We have um, all sorts of mission projects going on, and you all have been a part of them. And then our gift of money is a final part. You know, nobody ever wants to really talk about the money part. We, we, we put that off. But it's just as important because we promise God that we're going to give tithes and offerings. And then what is that money used for? Why do we give money to the church? Yes, sir. For buying our needs. We have programs that have to be supported. We have staff members that need to be paid. We have these wonderful facilities. We actually are having to spend some of our money on a compressor for a heat pump. That's why it's a little chilly in here this morning. We've got a broken heat pump. So our money goes to take care of all those things. And so we have to put all that in perspective. All right. All that's to say that today is an important day. It's Thanksgiving Sunday. It's Consecration Sunday. We're going, your families are going to fill out pledge cards that will be given to God, the, the money that they feel like they can give and share with God. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for our many blessings in our families, our church, and our life. Help us to prayerfully serve you and the church in our thanksgiving and our thanksgiving. Amen.
We are indeed thankful this day that we can go to the Lord in prayer at any time. As we begin to prepare ourselves and go to prayer, I want to remind you of a couple of, of folks uh, who have uh, need continuing prayer as they recover from injuries and sickness. And uh, Rosemary Jordan, Dixie Kinnett, Louise Jones, Candace Phillips, Steve Rogers, and Beth Roberts. And also Alan Moore's brother passed away this past week. We'll remember that uh, family. Also, just in general, we want to remember all those folks this day on Thanksgiving Day who may be, uh, it may be their first Thanksgiving Day uh, without a loved one who passed this past year. And we want to especially think of those uh, in our congregation, in our families, and our friends um, as we uh, go now to the Lord in prayer. Let us bow our heads. O oh Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. O oh, most wonderful God, you are the hope of every generation. You have established this wonderful world. You have made the mountains and the seas, and you made the day to fall the night. And we acknowledge your power, your might, as we gather this day humbly before you to confess our sins, to offer our praise and thanksgiving and petition you. We're reminded this day that you've shown us by the mystery of the cycle of growth, harvest and new life, and that we reap as we sow. We know that you will provide for our every need in abundance, and you've called us to be generous as a means of giving you thanks. But we must confess this day, O oh Lord, that we tend to be selfish we too often seek to hold on to the things that you provide because we lack the faith to share them. Forgive us this day, O oh Lord, our miserly ways that we once, once more might honor you. So if you would fill us again with your Holy Spirit, that we may choose rightly the way of life and empower us with a mind to Spread the good news of your graceful abundance and things material and things of the soul that all might join in praising you. We know that your Son revealed your will, that all should be made whole. And just as he healed many who are afflicted, we pray now this day that for all those that we named and those that are named in our prayer list, those that we name in the silence of our hearts now, we pray for all them. We pray that they would be relieved from diseases of the body, mind, and spirit and give them a mind of hope and that they may come and return thanks to you. You have provided the fruits of the earth for us. Now feed our spirits from your bounty of grace not because we ask it on our own, but because we come in the name of Jesus Christ, who taught us when we were together to say these words. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. 
We unite Methodists believe that giving is part of worship. So let us continue our worship with our giving. Let our ushers come forward to receive our tithes and our offerings.
Please be seated. Hear God's word as it comes to us from 1 Timothy, from the 6th chapter, beginning with the 17th verse. As for those who are in the present age are rich, command them not to be haughty or to set their hopes on uncertainty of riches, but rather on God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, generous, and ready to share, thus storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of the life that really is life. Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to you. Avoid the profane chatter and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge by the professing it some have missed the mark as regards the faith. Grace be with you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, I'm delighted to be here with you this morning. I thank Joseph for the invitation to come and preach. Uh, this is a very sacred desk to me. And I stand here aware of those who've gone before me as they've shared the faith. I want to think with you about, are you really living? And I thought about a, a man that I read about who they thought was dead, and he turned out to be alive. Did you read about him? He, it's some years back, but, but this fellow, they, they pronounced him dead, but he really wasn't dead, and he, he was alive, and someone said to him, did you know you weren't dead? And he said, yeah. And they said, well, how did you know? He said, well, my, I was hungry and my feet were cold. <laughs> and he said, I, I knew if I was in heaven, I wouldn't be hungry. And if I were in hell, my feet wouldn't be cold. <laughs> now, my dear friends, that's really living. And, and there are all kinds of stories that, that come to my mind and as I think about, about living. I, th I think about the man that I heard about many years ago who wanted to be buried in his Cadillac. He loved Cadillacs. Maybe you read that story. And, and he wanted to be buried in a Cadillac, and, and, and he put it in his will, last will and testament. That's what he wanted. It was a nice Cadillac, and he wanted to be buried in it. And, and so when he died, the, the funeral director checked, and there were no state statutes that said you couldn't do it. So he, he, he fulfilled all of the arrangements, and he, he rented a, 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 a crane to, to lift the, the Cadillac, had, had a big hole dug for the Cadillac. And, and they said that as the Cadillac was being lowered with the man in it, there was one young fella, as the crane operator was slowly lowering it into the grave, one young fella said to another one, man, that's really living. <laughs> and I'm impressed with the words of the Apostle Paul because he was writing to a young man, to Timothy, and he was talking to him about guarding something that was the very foundation of faith and of his life. And it's about that I want to speak with you this morning. I invite you to think about this for a few moments. 
The first word that I see in, in this scripture is a word about attitude. Don't be haughty. Don't be proud. Don't be arrogant. Now, Paul's issuing a warning to, about wealth and about wealthy people, and he's telling Timothy to be committed to those things that, that really make life worthwhile, not to be trusting in things. It's easy for us to become proud of what we've accomplished. Some of you have, have, have really accomplished some amazing things and how important that is. And there's nothing wrong with being proud about what you've done. There's nothing wrong with, with having some money. That's not a problem. The problem is when we become so cocky, we become so arrogant, when we look down our noses at people who haven't done as well as we've done. And somehow that is what Jesus constantly was talking to the disciples about, wasn't he? He was reminding the disciples of the dangers of, of pride and wealth. It's not that he never said, Jesus never said that money was bad. The problem was when we put money in place of God. It's a tricky, slippery slope. It's easy for us to become so proud of the things we've accomplished on earth. The Sermon on the Mount says, so when you give something to a needy person, do not make a big show of it. The hypocrites do that in their houses of worship and on the streets. They all do it so that people will praise them. But when you help a needy person, Jesus said, do it in such a way that even your closest friend will not know about it. It's a private matter, and your father who sees in private will reward you. I think that one of the things, if I'm going to say something about it this morning, I will. I want you to know I believe we, as American people, we need a conversion of our attitude. Somehow, I need to know that God really is the owner of what I have. You and I are just, just the stewards. We're just tenant farmers. We're just sort of taking care of it while we're here on this earth. I've been to too many funerals in the last few months. And as I sit in that pew, and as I think and as I pray, I'm a realize, I realize how, how easy it is to, to, to think about what we have and not think about God's great gifts to us as we're passing through. The scripture says that we brought nothing into this world and we'll take nothing out. And that's something for us to think about. What kind of attitude do you have what kind of attitude do I have? It's, it's easy for us to have bad attitudes. I've seen this in church where people have a bad attitude towards somebody. And it destroys churches. I've seen it destroy Sunday school classes. It's, a, it's so easy to, to look down on people. I read it somewhere that a bad attitude is like a flat tire. I like that. And he said, if you don't change it, it won't get you anywhere. Well, 
What about your attitude this morning? What about mine? How do we feel? Do we feel like we're passing through, that we're, we're stewards of what God's given us? Are we proud and we don't need a thing? We'll call you God if we need you. The second thing I see in the, here in the scripture is a word about riches. Don't trust in riches, in wealth, in things. Trust God. When Jesus gathered the disciples to teach them, he said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. The Good News Version says it like this, Be concerned about everything else with the kingdom of God and with what he requires of you, and he will provide you with all these other things. I've watched and have been the victim sometimes of the way that our things, our riches, make us slaves. We become so enamored, so caught up in our work, or in our house, or in our children, or in our retirement, or saving something for a rainy day. It's so easy to think we won't have enough. But I've asked that question and been asked that question, you know, how much is enough? How do you know when you have enough? Do you have enough? I've got some bad news for you. There are too many multimillionaires who when, been, when they've been asked this question, you know what they've said? That you always want just a little more Wealth, things, really don't give us the satisfaction that we seek for and want in life. Our need, I believe, is God. It's, it's so easy to begin and look at an asset sheet and think how wonderful we are and how well we've done and how we've come up the ladder in our work. We, we really forget sometimes that Jesus said, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be de devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve, Jesus said, both God and money. I preached a sermon about money. I preached a lot of them about money. In one, in one of them, I told about an old man in one of my former churches who, who, who after the Depression, uh, he didn't trust banks anymore. He lost everything he had. He was a wonderful old man, a farmer. He kept all of his money buried in a jar outside his house. They tell he was still living. They told the story that, that this old man uh, would go out when he needed some money rather than going to the bank and we go to an ATM machine. He would just go out to his jar, dig it up, and, and get him some money and put it back in. And he did that with some regularity. And, and this one time, obviously, in a hurry, and I've been in a hurry, he put it back, that jar, in the ground but didn't get the lid on it tight. After a lot of rain and a lot of moisture, he went back, and they said that was one sick old man that he had all of this money that had been ruined by the water 
the moisture that was in there and he was trying to dry it out in the oven. I, I, uh, I told that story at a church and a lady came up and she said, I got one better than that. I said, what is that? And she said, well, there was a man that was similar, came up in the same time, obviously, and he buried his money, but he put it in the house. He put it in mason jars in his house. And he said on a, on a fall day, he was out raking the leaves and burning them as they did in that community. And he said that a spark went in and caught his frame house on fire. And the old man rushed in trying to save his money, and he died. It, it cost him his life. And I'm suggesting to you this morning that what does it profit us if we gain the whole world, if we're the, the, the best people, the most, the top of our line, and we're not rich toward God? And that's what Paul is saying to Timothy, and that's what I would say to you and to myself this morning. Let us be aware about what we need to do. The third thing that I see here in this story is a game plan. When a football team that's the underdog comes in and is playing a team that is superior, something happens. It usually happens when the coaches have convinced the team that they can do it. That if you follow this game plan just like I'm giving it to you, you will be victorious. And if the team buys into that, they rise to the occasion. And if you look at the sports pages, I have not seen them this day, but I can guarantee you that someone that was supposed to win yesterday lost. And you know why they lost? Because somebody had a better game plan. In our scripture, Paul is laying it out clearly for us. Hear these words, command them to do good, he tells Timothy, to be rich in good works, to be generous, to be ready to share. This is where you and I must lay up our treasure. This is what gives us a solid foundation for really a life that is life. I'm convinced that too many of us have not sorted out our priorities. We have a need to give back to God. We have a need to, to, to recognize what, what is said in Luke, to him, to her, whom much is given, to them is very much required. And I, I think that there's a, a great feeling that comes when you and I are generous. You can remember that feeling, can't you? When you did something for someone else and you didn't expect a single thing in response. If you think for a moment about these baskets, these boxes, and I've thought about these boxes. I'm, I'm so happy that this class has done this year after year. Oh, it's not many boxes, you say, 80. You look at it, if you will, when you're eating lunch. 80 boxes. Well, what, what's the good of that, though? But that's just a drop in the bucket. There are hungry people all over the place. Think of the joy. Think of the joy that's come to people as they, the class members, as they gather these things together. Think of the people who've had the opportunity to give money. You and I, we've given money to help this. There's a good feeling that comes, is there not? At two o'clock, there'll be people who'll be taking these out, these boxes. There's a good feeling that comes as you do that. Not to mention the family that, 
that will get this food. There's all kinds of joy that comes as we give. And I think that's what Thanksgiving's about. That's what living is about. You don't have to wait till November to do this. You and I have opportunities to share all of the times. When you joined the United Methodist Church, you stood at some altar and you said, I will be loyal to the, my United Methodist Church. I'll uphold it with my prayers, my presence, my gifts, my service, and, and, and now my witness. I, I believe that. I believe that's not just something we say. That's calling people to have a commitment to do something. That's what you said. That's what I said. It never has made sense to me that people can stand at a church altar and make that kind of commitment and just be happy to have their name on the roll. Makes no sense. And yet there are people on every church's roll that are just there. They're really not doing anything. They're not giving anything. They're just a part of it by being on the roll. I remember looking several times as, as the financial secretary would, would give the people, the number of people, not the names of the people, but the number of people who gave this much and the number of people who gave that much. You remember that. We've done that here. Are you not impressed with the number of people who give nothing? Somehow, somehow, why don't we try that with the power company? Why don't you try that with the cable company? You just say, hey, I'll, I, you know, just, just put me on your roll, mail it out to me, but, but, but if I have anything, I'll, I'll give you a little bit. That's not the way it works. That's not the way it works. When I go out to a restaurant, we don't go out and eat out a lot, but when we go out, we go sometimes for an early bird special or whatever that is, you know, and, and, and I've noticed that, that on most of the restaurants now to which I go, I will see they put not only the total of the bill, but they tell me in very big letters, gratuity is not included. And they say 10% is so much, 15% is so much, 20% is so much, you know that. Or if you make the mistake of going out with eight people, have you ever done that? <laughs> I, this is not what I ordered. Oh, but we've, we've, we've added 18 or 20 percent, depending on where you are, because, because that's what it takes more to, to handle this big group. We understand that. We don't have any problem with that. We, we eat there and we'll go back again. And I believe that somewhere we've got to begin giving substantial church money to God's church. We've got to give, give our time that we have not given to the church. And I believe that the Apostle Paul is right on target as he speaks to Timothy. He's talking about spiritual health. He's talking about not letting our possessions get in our way. The mission of the church is not to meet the budget. It's not for that at all. We have to pay for lights, you know that. We have to pay for heat pumps, you know that. But somehow, the, the purpose of the church is, is the purpose of God's church is to bring people to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. 
That's what, why Jesus came. He came to call us out of darkness into his marvelous light. When God breaks through to you, when he breaks through to me, all of a sudden we become new creatures in Christ, as Paul says. We become, become different. We become generous. We become kinder. And there's something that we cannot explain but it's a spontaneous thing whereby we are eager to share what we have and what we know with others. Now, I've seen external pressure try to be applied where people try to get people to, they force them into giving. That never works very well and it doesn't produce any sound stewardship. I believe that there's a great joy that comes when we learn to give, when we give of ourselves, when we give of our time, we give of our talents. And I stand here as an old man, but I know what it's like to make car payments. I, I know what it's like when the strain of illness comes. I understand the cost of straightening your children's teeth and piano lessons. I, I know all of those things, not to mention vacations and clothing and college and saving for that rainy day. And I know what it's like for your TV bundle to go up. You, you know that, don't you? And, and someone said, you, you know, that a fellow who, who how, I've forgotten exactly how they said it, but the essence of it was that if a person's given more to the, for their TV bundle than they are to the church, they need to look at it. And I think that somehow we've got to be able to, to look at what we want the church to be, what we want it to do. This is, I encourage you to, to pray about this decision today, to, to start somewhere. I encourage you to tithe. Frankly, I, I, I don't know where you're on that road, but if you're not on the road, I hope you'll get on the road. And if you're on the road, I hope you'll raise it up a little bit. Because, because not so that the church needs your money, because you and I need to give. That's what it's about. I don't want you to be legalistic. I don't want you to, to think, I know that, that God loves a cheerful giver, and I know you can be cheerful giving less, but that's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> there are lots of good things that are taking place at Memorial Church. If you haven't opened your eyes, look around. There are good things that are happening. We are, we're dealing with children's ministry, and we need to do more, and we know that. We're dealing with... with preschool and elementary and mission kids and children's choirs and music and vacation. There's all kind of stuff going on. And, and we need people and we need money and that's what it's about. There's children's handbells and there's youth ministry and, and, and young people are able to, to grow in their faith and, and be involved in mission projects. That's what it's about. Our music I don't think some of us really appreciate what a great music program we have. It, it, it sounds better up here than it does out there, and it's marvelous out there. I, I think we've got to ask ourselves several questions, and I, I encourage you to think about it. Am I really praying for my church regularly? Am I seeking to serve my church? Am I giving? What does my giving say about God's place in my life? Someone said that stewardship is everything you and I do after we say, I believe. I, uh, I'll never forget this day. It was a day I was called to meet with Edna's brother and her, his sister. 
Edna died about six or eight months before this. She uh, had, was an unmarried lady. She was a school teacher in South Carolina. She came home to our community to take care of her aging mother and her sister who had special needs. Edna was a sweet, unassuming, very likable woman. She made no demands on the church. She was not critical of the members of the church. I never heard her badmouth the preacher. I never heard her complaining about what a church didn't do. She came to worship regularly, sat in the back on the left side as long as she was able. And then a time came when her body gave out and she had to go to a nursing home for a while. It was impossible for her to worship. I was deeply touched when her brother, John, said to me, George, we were surprised by Edna's estate. She carefully instructed us in her will to give 10% of that which she had to her church. Edna not only tithed while she lived, but she made it sure that it was a tithe after she died. Then, she ha then John handed me a check for our church in the amount of $33,000. It was the largest check that I'd ever received for our church or any church. Now, now my dear friends, that's what really living's about. That's what, what Edna not only lived generously, she died generously. She died a tither. And there's a joy that comes from following Jesus Christ as Lord and Master. He changes us. And that's what Paul was saying, that we do become new creatures in Christ when we come to him. So what's the message that I want you to take with you today? That message is pretty simple. Do good. Be generous. Be rich in good works. Be ready to share. Because this will provide the kind of foundation, the solid foundation that will give you, that will give me a life that will enable us to really live. May God help you. May he help me to be on my journey. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, we have made a, a change in the program there. We will uh, I'll share that with you now. Um, you have give, were given a commitment card when you came in. Uh, if you haven't gotten one, I'll, I'll ask the ushers if they will see that everyone has one. Uh, you will give you a minute to fill this out. Uh, if you've not already done that, uh, if you will. And then uh, in a moment, we will have the, the, uh, the hymn. And as, as we sing the hymn, you may come and, and put it here at the communion rail. And I hope you recognize that this is, is serious business. I, I've conducted serious business at, at altars like this. It's where I came to be married. It's where I came to bring my first child to be baptized. 
It's where my first child was confirmed and my other children were confirmed. It's where they came to be married themselves. It's where we brought my mother and my father and my wife to be buried. This is serious business. I encourage you to prayerfully fill out your card and recognize that God loves you. Now, after that, we will sing the hymn, and then I will have a, a, a bit blessing for the food and, and the benediction. And so if you need a card, uh, if you will, I'll have the ushers ask you, does anyone need a card? Several. And all of you all have one.
Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you for your abundant blessings. We thank you for Jesus Christ. We thank you for your church. Send us forth now with your word, with your light, with your love. We're thankful for the food that's been prepared for us this day. May it nourish our bodies and provide us the strength we need to serve you. And we make our name and our prayer in the name of Jesus Christ, your blessed Son, our Lord. Amen.